1: Welcome, everyone, to Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of directionsuniversity.com and the co-founder of both theLeverages.com and divisio.com, the all-new leveraging platform for people doing good. We have a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. I've been looking forward to having this guest join us for weeks now. We have my co-host and co-founder of the Leverages in Divisio, the Associate Dean at Directions University, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello from Winter Wonderland. Did you get cold and snow?
0: It is a beautiful Norman Rockwellian day here in Indiana right now. <laughs> Big, fat snowflakes, and and uh, all the trees are getting covered up, and hey, it feels like the
1: holidays. Well, I'm just about ready to go change my clothes because I have a pair of longer, like, uh, knit pants on, and I am roastifying in my beautiful 85-degree sunny day here in South Florida.
0: You are never going to be able to make a snowman in that kind of weather. That's that's horrible. I'm sorry for you.
1: <laughs> I should say not. Well, why don't you tell everyone about our guest today, Jack, who I've really been looking forward to bringing to our listeners. We have Michelle Villalobos, and she
0: is um, with us today. I'll give you a little bit of an introduction, and I bet we're going to have a bunch of fun today. Based on what I'm reading here. So in this day and age, few skills are more important than strategically and artfully positioning ourselves in a way that gets us noticed by the right people for the right reasons. That's why we invited Michelle here today. She helps busy professionals, especially women, tap into their unique gifts and strengths and use them to get noticed, attract more business, and create more freedom, fortune, and fulfillment, and fun. Lots of Fs. Good alliteration. In 2011, Miami Herald named Michelle one of Miami's top 20 under 40, and in 2013 she won the Miami Herald Business Plan Challenge for co-creating, co-founding the online personal branding program, Make Them Beg. She also founded the Women's Success Summit, Miami's largest business conference for entrepreneurial women. Her clients include American Express, Bacardi, Audi, Burger King, Lloyd's of London, and others committed to the advancement of women. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Hello, Michelle, and I had the privilege of meeting Michelle recently
2: when I was at the Women's
1: Success Summit over in Miami. Yes, yes. And
2: and now Mm -hmm. we know
0: the story of how you came to be on the show. You just, you got pitched, didn't you, Michelle? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good. Well, that's the, we'll take every, every opportunity to talk to successful people like you. I'll have to start with everything that we always start out with, uh, or the, the question we always start out with each week, which is what is burning in your belly right now that forces you out of bed in the morning? With your business or life or however you would like to answer.
2: Well, I have a crew of women that I work with called The Inner Circle, uh, and there's about 41 of them right now, and each and every one of them is leading some sort of movement um, that to change the world in some way. So we've got a doctor, for example, who runs addiction treatment facilities for pregnant women. We have a woman who creates, who does um, a company called Deals with Dignity that they do foreclosure in a way that's very that, that preserves the dignity of the people going through the, the crisis. We've got. Um, all sorts of leaders in different areas, a woman who runs women's Business Development Council of Florida, so she's helping women get government and corporate contracts. so what gets me out of bed in the morning is knowing that the work that we're doing is positively impacting the world, particularly through women.
0: when you got that many people also getting out of bed in the morning with such purpose and drive
2: That's right, you'd feel
0: guilty <laughs> sleeping in a little bit, wouldn't you
2: that is true although I must say this that I'm much more of an evening person than a morning person so I'm more likely to stay up late and work than I am to wake up super early and work when I wake up really early I'm I'm working in the sense that I'm taking care of myself I do a, a long morning ritual every day and that really helps me to bring my best self to the table for my clients
0: yeah I've actually been to... uh <laughs> Trying to lengthen my morning ritual, it's not really hard. It's nice to greet the day and not jump right into it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. starting to get really into that. Like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to do a little more working out or a little more meditation or something. And just yeah. kind of, because my day, no matter when I start, it gets better and better. Like, it's yeah. like, wow, this is really cool. So I feel like you're, you feel guilty maybe uh, sometimes, but the productivity and everything that you get out of that. Yeah. It far outweighs the guilt. It makes up for it,
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's really, you know, you can let go of the guilt because what you know that you're doing is you're bringing a better version of yourself to the table, to, to your work. So, you know, there's, guilt is really misplaced there because actually you should feel guilty if yeah. you don't do a morning ritual, I believe.
0: Right. Well, yeah. it's put the mask on yourself before the person next to you kind of thing, right? You got to be in good shape. Right. It doesn't hurt to have studies that are coming out on uh, things like meditation yeah. and turning back your biological age. Um, yeah. That uh, one guy, I, I wish I could remember his name because I'm going to say it anyway, but uh, it, it, he came on to a, a TED talk and talked about how meditation specifically, but in general, taking care of yourself, he was telling people everybody says they don't have time. There's no time. I don't have right. any time for that. I just. And he said, you don't have time not to, because they've done studies right. that people after five years of a regular meditation regime have taken 10 to 12 years off their biological age. He said, you can yeah. make time by, by taking this time. And I'm like, yes. yeah, man, because I'm always trying to get people to meditate more.
2: Me too. Me too. And, and one funny line that my meditation teacher used to tell me, she said that if you if you're, you know, you should meditate at least 20 minutes a day, and if you don't have enough time to do that, you should meditate for at least 40. <laughs> yeah, I
0: love that one. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's you don't minute, think, right? and you're just like, keep oh, tacking yeah. it on until you understand yeah. what this means. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, where do you want to go first because we kind of have an open format here and we can go anywhere you would like. So would you like business or would you like to talk about life or business or life?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it depends on – you know your listeners better than I. Where do you think they'd enjoy (laughs) starting out? I'm open to whatever. I'm cool.
0: Well, we we love to talk about leverage, of course. It's kind of in the name and everything. So maybe we can start there, Uh, and that would be, you know, when you are are working with people and uh, you're in a situation that uh, someone is is relying on your expertise and everything, where has leverage come into play in your business um, where you realize in the moment, I am skipping over many rungs of the ladder right here with this play that I'm making. This feels really, really good. I'm going to do this as a practice. Or something like that. Where does leverage come into play in your business?
2: So it's funny that you should even bring that up because it's one of my themes for 2017 is leverage. So every year I pick one, two, or three themes that I'm focused on. Uh, Last year's, this year's theme is uh, grace and ease. Grace and ease was about, you know, uh, enjoying my business more, about doing more with less, which is very much about leverage. And then next year I'm, I'm right out, Straight up talking about leverage as, as a major focus, because what I found is that everywhere in my business where I've found leverage, it's added more value. I had this belief in the past that, and I'll give you my story, or like a quick version of it. At one point in yeah. my business, I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with clients. So, you know, I, I really served them back then mostly with marketing, marketing strategies, marketing, thought leadership, personal branding. And I used to work with people. I would sit down with them for either a half day or a full day and map out an entire marketing plan for them. And then sometimes uh, we would decide to work together, you know, as they went and implemented the project. But I was working with them always one-on-one. Uh, you know, I hit, a, I hit a, a ceiling in my business where I could no longer make more than – it was about two hundred eighty, two hundred ninety thousand 290000 is where I kind of plateaued. Uh, and, I, and I couldn't figure out how to get beyond that, especially not with the model. I kept raising my prices, but – there comes a point, you know, at at which you just have to look at the business model and where to find some leverage. So what I did was I created this group, this inner circle, and I decided that I was going to help these people as a group and I was going to do more in a group environment than in a one-on-one. And so my belief was when I started doing that that they were going to get less value, that they were going to, quote-unquote, suffer because they couldn't have all of me right because they had to share me but yeah. so I had this like belief that you know the better value was with me one on one and there was less value in the in the group and what I learned over the course of the first year with the inner circle was that the group created value that I could not have created by myself uh, with support with motivation, with accountability, with referrals like there was value in the group that, that I did not have and that could not have been created by me alone. And so I found that there's there, one of our core values now is, is is leveraged value, which means leverage where it delivers more value, not just for the purpose of relieving us operationally. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, and now I can see why you and Gina hit it off so well at the conference. because <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's what we do. And it, it's a It's a tour. Uh, it's, a, it's a task that Gina has at all times to teach people when we have them on hug seats about where they might go because we already know that road that you were on when you plateaued and we were on and everybody hits that ceiling at some point and realizes that there's nowhere else to go. There's only so much time in the day, all that stuff. And so while we're helping people come up with their ideas for, you know, how they're going to structure their businesses, this is one of the points that gets a little contentious because they come in 99% of the time thinking they're going to do one-on-one and then that that's going to be their model. And uh, and it's not easy to turn somebody around because they've been thinking about it. They're committed to it. They're like, yeah, but they don't know what's at the end of that road. So it's it sounds, I mean, mm-hmm. crazy to them and they say exactly the same stuff you just did. The value won't be there. And and, and, then, right. and then Gina has to talk about, well, actually, more value is there. And they're like, huh? And tell me more. <laughs> How could there possibly be more value in a group thing where I don't have her full attention? And right. so, yeah, now I, now I know why Gina likes you so much. Because that's, that's <laughs> <setting> just <clears throat> that's One of the stuff. lessons
1: I learned, very similar to what you just shared, Michelle, when I first started doing group coaching instead of one-on-one coaching, Same sort of things went through my head. And what I realized was in a group setting, it answers the you don't know what you don't know questions, where in the Mm. one-on-one, it only answers the questions you think to ask. And 99% of business owners, what keeps them stuck is the you don't know what you don't know questions. It's not the questions they thought to ask in the first place.
2: Yeah, and sometimes yeah. it could be very um, confronting for someone to tell you what your blind spot is. Uh, but if you oh, yeah. see it play Same out time. in a group where other people, uh, you know, illustrating it for you and you see someone else running through seeing their blind spot, and then you start to ask yourself, whoa, what, what are mine? It's a little bit less confronting to do it, I think, that way. And it opens up, you know, the possibility so people are not shut down from the get-go to to hearing whatever is a blind spot. Does that, does that make sense?
1: It does. And the other yeah. biggie is when they hear Michelle or Gina talking about, this is something I did, they immediately think, well, yeah, you can do that. You're Michelle. Yes. You're Gina. Exactly. But when they hear their peers able to do things, well, so and so can do it. I can do it too, and it immediately becomes more doable for them. Yes, yeah, totally. All leverage. Right? So that's what it's all
0: about. It's leverage. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and it's exciting to talk about, isn't it? I mean, when you're there are many thousands of other things you can talk about in the realm of leverage. That was one really big one. I mean, you hit the big one right off the bat with a lot of the people that we work with, our listeners, and, and, and your uh, people as well. Um, but, I mean, it, it's just fun to – a lot of people want to connect dots. And I want to skip over. I want to take one dot, and I want to jump over 15 other dots to get to the, the, the 16th dot. And that's using <laughs> yeah. leverage in everything that we do. And I want to connect dots, not all of them. I want to connect some of them. I want to connect a third of the dots that are on the page and but thereby connecting all the rest of them. Like we talk about when people uh, want to do really well with search engine traffic or with um, some other aspect of their business, and we're like, why don't you let that just backfill? And, and what that you know, typically means is go all the way to the source. Go as high as you can in, in, uh, with an influencer um, if you want to get a bunch of – social media traffic or get a bunch of fans or whatever. Go to a great big influencer, the biggest one you can get the the attention of, and have them virtually put their arm around your shoulders and say something. And then all your SEO and all your fans and everything else that you were going to just work for a year to build are going to fill in automatically. And you will have skipped all of those dots and all those rungs on the ladder. It's fun stuff to talk about. Do you have other examples of of the ways that you – show people these really neat things, it's kind of like doing magic because they are always thinking in terms of the next step, the next step. And it's, you know, I don't know, it feels kind of like creating fire for the first time
2: for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that I think may be relevant, one big breakthrough that I've had uh, in my own business and that, I've, that I'm that i supporting my clients in having is, is really in – changing the way we look at what we want and what we're after. So, in other words, goal setting, right, is an example. We just did a goal setting call today. Typically coaches, you know, I I did, you know, some coaching for a long time with a very traditional coaching company, and they took you through a goal setting process that was very, you know, corporate style. It was a smart goal setting, right, specific, measurable, attainable, uh, results-oriented, and uh, time-based. Oh, I finally remembered the T, time-based. Um, and for whatever reason, I coached with them for three or four years, and while I did have progress, I did, have, I did not have the level of – I didn't have the jump in my business that I have now. And why is that? And I think it's – and I did some homework on this, and I've been working on this with my clients. It's, it's that those types of goals are very – they're very logical, but they're not based in emotion. And so what I've, what I've learned is that for everything that we want to create, we have to tap into emotion. Emotion is the fuel that drives our actions, that drives our motivations, that drives desire. You know? and, and so what I do with clients is I focus on you know, what do you really want, why do you want it, what's the feeling that you're going to have when you get there. Uh, and so we leverage emotion in order to create results and outcomes. I never did that before. I was always a very numbers. I have an MBA, you know. I did things by the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere in my MBA did it talk about emotions, you know. But I find that that's the most powerful driver of action and of business in general.
0: I'm so happy you've transcended your MBA-ness and gone on to yeah. uh,
2: the,
1: the,
0: the, the bigger thing. We were talking last week with Spike Humer who was on the show, and he we had talked about Plans, setting up plans, planning, all that stuff. I mean, you got to have something to talk about, and you got to have an idea uh, of where you're going and, and the steps that you think it's going to take to get there. And I, I asked him something re- I think that is related to this. You were talking about emotion and goals-based uh, or, or emotion-based goals being an important thing. And last week we were talking about um, what do you do to teach your students, your clients, how to... See things out of the corner of their eye while they're going through their plan or while they're uh, 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 working toward their goals to, to keep those blinders off so that they are also open to the opportunities that are, are going to pop up if only they have the eyes to see them. And uh, some people feel like they're being pulled away from their plan. I can't stop and think about that. Don't bother me that you're not in my agenda for today. You're not on my list mm. of things to worry about today. But it's the biggest opportunity of their lifetime tapping them on the shoulder. At the same moment, they're telling it to go away. Do you, do you teach people about having a plan is great, but you also have to be open to all the things universe is going to just put in your path, and it's going to take it away and give it to somebody else if you're not there to see it? Do you, do you talk about that kind of stuff?
2: Well, I, um, there's a famous quote about war, Uh, and I don't remember who said it, but it's basically no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. And I like to say to my clients, no business plan survives contact with the market. Uh, Essentially the idea is as soon as you create a plan, the plan starts to change. That said, you need a plan to get started or many people, most people need a plan to get started. Not everybody. I've kind of transcended that too. Um, I have an idea. I have a, a sense of what I want to accomplish. I'm very quick these days to just go and start jumping in. But not everybody's like that. But, yeah, absolutely. I think planning is overrated, uh, and it, you know, very much takes away from the magic that the universe throws at you once you start getting into action with the right emotion. So I definitely encourage my clients to be open and also to understand that, you know, there's a period. We, we talk about the phases of business mastery and I don't know where this concept came from. I got it from my coach, one of my coaches named Jake Merriman with Epic Impact. And he talks about the, the phases of mastery where we start with the phase of ideation, which is the phase where we create a plan. And that's usually pretty fun for entrepreneurs and people like us, creative people. But the next phase is concentration and focus. And that's where people often fall off the wagon. And so, uh, you know, that, that is where... You've gotta master something. You've gotta pick up the phone and call ten people a day or whatever the concentration and focus is. And that's where what we need to plan for to create that beginning to start and then always be open to the magic of the universe. And the next phase is momentum. That's when things start to click. You start to get traction, things start to happen, but it could be kind of a roller coaster. Sometimes things happen faster than you're ready for. That's happened to us. Uh, And then you have to move into a stabilization phase where you put systems and processes into place so that you can start to replicate things and break through to the next level, which is actually the next phase, is breakthrough. And finally, integration, when you can do all these phases pretty much with grace and ease simultaneously, start something new, do concentration and focus, get some momentum, stabilize and break through all very, very quickly and easily.
0: Do you think there is – some sort of a breakdown sometimes in some contexts when when you as an expert are asked to list things the steps, steps of things that need to be accomplished, things you need to do here's how this because people ask you you're the expert and they expect you to have a list of five steps or, or whatever. Do you think that some of the magic um, is in danger of being lost, if people are focused too much on the steps and not hearing what's really happening. Like, I think this is why we always like to give examples. At some point we want some real-world example of the list of things that we give out, like here's how you got to do this and here's how you got to do that. Sometimes as an expert I feel like I'm stealing the magic of a, of a beautiful thing sometimes when I'm only listing out what you need to do. But that's what people think they want from you right off the bat. It's like, give me the five things i got to do. But if I give yeah. you the five things, if we look at directly in the eye, it's going to lose its magic of the things that you think you wanted me to tell you. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Yes. like, real-world examples are beautiful lotus flowers of wonderfulness. Like, it, And then we did this, and when, when we got momentum, what that really means is, our business, our orders started going through the roof, and then we had this, and we got a new company that we did a JV with, and it's, those two things are so radically different. How do you balance that so that people maintain their focus through emotion, an emotional attachment to those lists of five things and those more antiseptic you know, clinical treatments of how you build your business?
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I started with that, like you said, the, the mba nest, right? I was very much uh, a by-the-book MBA type of business person when I did my MBA, which was now mm, 12 years ago. Um, it served me well in the very beginning. At least it gave me a foundation, but ultimately taught me really nothing about what it really takes to, to build a business. But but even so I approached my business very similar. You know, when I when I was training and coaching and educating, I focused on information. And what I've discovered is that information is not transformation. Uh, and, and and truly the where to focus the effort in the beginning is on the person, on the who they're being, on the um, you know, how are they approaching the mindset, you know, really the mindset is fundamental and it's step one. And and you're right. Nobody wants that to be step one. And yet whenever we skip that, we end up back there, we end up back at mindset, you know, it's very rarely a strategic thing. uh, And I'm a really good strategist. That's really one of my strengths. So, you know, if I can give somebody a strategy that's going to work, but the challenge is are they going to implement it? And I, and I, you know, without knowing, who they are, what their strengths are, what their gifts are, what they love, what drives them, what they desire, what they fear, without all those things and without knowing how to capitalize on those motivators, you know, the plan is useless.
0: Do I have an overly romanticized sense of history when it comes to business where people got MBAs and people, you know, uh, learned advertising and marketing and, and uh, and all that stuff before the Internet and before we got to where we are now, and I won't say where I think we are now because I'll ruin the whole thing, but uh, we, it just seems like people were like, here's, here, you're going to be an advertising exec or you're going to start your own advertising firm or whatever, and here's what you do to start an advertising firm, and here's the list of things you have to do. And it, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was more black and white back then. It seemed more clinical, and now it seems more, more like the creatives have taken over.
2: Business, oh yeah. Not just
0: not not creatives that are pure creatives, but business no, no. people who are creatives, or creatives who have become really really good business people, and they're bringing all that wishy washy stuff into business now. I mean, it's almost all we ever talk about is mindset and um and the and the the intangibles, the unlistables, the unexcel sheetables.
2: You know, you just yeah. can't.
0: Do you think the world has really changed? Have I got a weird sense of what history was like? Were they always talking about this, or has it become more No, I think
2: you're right. I think that with the accessibility of media and the Internet and all this explosion of of access to people, people are able to gather a tribe, people are able to spread a message, people are able to, you know, everything's fragmented. And, and, And I think in a good way, I do think there's way more woo-woo stuff, you know, but it's, you know, things back then weren't so, there were like five big advertising agencies. And that's, you know, that's (laughs) the most and that's about it. Now everybody can have an advertising agency or a branding agency, you know, like I think it's more democratic now, even though, you know, there's, there's all these beliefs about lack of opportunity and, you know, a lot of victim culture in our, in our world also, Uh, for those people who are able to, you know, go, go, go above and beyond that victim mentality of wanting everything handed to them, that they would see that there's an abundance of opportunity for people who really want it. And I feel like that's, what's fueling what you're seeing is that everybody has a voice now or can, if they truly want to. And all those different voices, mean, that we're evolving and, and, and progressing and transforming faster than ever, um. So, yeah, things are different, way more complicated, way more interesting, if you ask me.
0: I totally agree, too. (laughs) I think uh, it's really neat. It's like resumes have been replaced by posses. Resumes have been replaced by um, (laughs) followings. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, and tribes, like you said. And, you know, when um, YouTube stars first became YouTube stars, and they didn't even know what they were. Nobody knew what that was except – They could go to Sony Entertainment and say, I want a record, deal, and here are my terms. And and Sony's like, what the hell are you talking about? We tell you that you get crap and you get 10 cents a CD and all that stuff, and we rip you off, and that's the way it's always been. And you Mm -hmm. say, no, I have 500,000 followers on YouTube, and you'll do what I say or I'll just go independent. And then YouTube signs you for the best kind of contract that they've ever signed in the history of their industry, (laughs) and there it took off. In just one example, Mm. it's like you get to – you could have an MBA, and you could go the MBA route, or somebody can also. And I know you'll champion this because it's it's that part of that creativity and the, uh, the the democratization of all of this is somebody could do it a whole other way and be just as successful as you. Yeah. And and not only that, but there's ten other ways on top of that they could have done it. I think that's well, and then cool. there are
2: ten thousand different versions of success. Right. One person's version is. I want to be able to come home at two o'clock and pick up my girls. I want to take a month off every summer and go on a road trip. Like that's success for one person. For another, it might be, I want to live on and work from an RV. Another person's definition is I want to, you know, work Monday through Thursday, take Fridays off and golf. Like everybody. Now you can have, you define your success your own way and there's becoming more and more acceptable to do things differently then you've been taught or then everybody else is doing it and in fact people are I think valuing that even
0: yeah I was caught between the gold watch re- retirement generation you had the same job all your life um, oh yeah and the next generation which was you might there were iterations of it you might keep a job for an average of eight years and then you'd move on you wouldn't have one all your life you would move on that was right. the average and now it's just become so fractionated it's I don't know what the latest statistics are, but lots of people don't even consider what they have as jobs. They're entrepreneurs or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more of those people running around. There's a lot more of all the different degrees and colors. It's like a Benetton commercial for business. It's everything.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) So Yeah, I like
0: that. So what are the favorite kinds of people that you like to work with? Who do you like to engage with? Is it a diverse – is it within specific industries that you like or – Who do you, like, when you pick up the phone and you know who you're talking to, you get really, really excited that they're a prospective uh, joint venture partner or or client or or whatever.
2: I love to work with women um, and very evolved men who are in touch with their feminine side, not necessarily gay or anything, just uh, men who have a strong sense of nurturing, caring for themselves, caring for their families, caring for the planet, um, so people who are purpose-driven, passionate, want to lead a movement, uh, and who've experienced success in traditional ways. In other words, I, need, I like to know that they, they know how to hustle, they know how to go through that concentration and focus phase, that they've had success in the past, and maybe they just don't know how to uh, take it to the next level. So uh, you know, I prefer to work with someone who's been in business two or three years at least and who's generating at least six-figures, uh, on their own, without any support or without us, anyways. So those are my favorite clients because we can usually see some results very quickly with them with the work that we do.
0: It's nice to be able to work with somebody who's already in motion, right? Like, because I know you probably know that this, the 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 opposite of that, where you got to try to help be the momentum that gets them off the launch pad,
2: you which got takes it. so much more mm-hmm. of your energy. <laughs> it does. And a lot of people, if enjoy they. It
0: yeah and if they come to you without momentum, there's no guarantee that they're ever going to achieve it because, like you said, you need proven they they need to be proven in these different areas, or it's not that they're impossible to work with, but they're not desirable to work with if you're yeah, not it's, even it's, sure it's if they're going leverage. to have the momentum that yeah yeah, there you go, yeah, leverage
2: you know yeah so about I, leverage i like that. Like what are
0: go some ahead. of the what are some of the oh'm sorry I, no. We have a little bit of a delay, so I end up talking over you sometimes. I'm sorry about that.
2: No worries.
0: So yeah. I was just going to say, do you have any examples of some – now, one of the things that people like you become as a, um, a side benefit or a great benefit uh, is a connector. Because after you've worked with a good number of clients, you're going to have some overlap, and you're going to be able to hook people together and say you need to meet this person, you need to meet that person. How does that come in? Because that's pure leverage right there. Probably has helped you gain clients by saying, hey, I've got uh, somebody here you need to talk to. I work with them now, and this could really do some serious for your business if you guys hooked up and did this. So how, how does all of that come into play? Do you like to play in that arena? Because it kind of is a badge you have to wear after a while. When you become connected, everybody wants to get connected through you.
2: Yeah. Well, um, we, th- th- that goes two ways. Um, we love to connect people with each other. I've been an, an old BNI member. I was a member of BNI for five years. So referrals mm-hmm. is like part of my DNA almost. Uh, and then we source a lot of our business through referral. So a lot comes to us through referral uh, relationships. And then we, we also teach our clients how to run referral conversations, how to request referrals. It's a big part of our culture. Uh, because th- those types of you know that kind of marketing is 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 cheap and it's effective and it's and it's uh, those clients tend to be better clients when they come to you through a known source. So we love to connect and be connected.
0: Have you ever used um, you know connections and everything to work a deal to to uh, maybe triangulate a deal? The reason that I'm asking in the context that I, I think is helpful for listeners is, um, listeners who are maybe mid-range or they could even be those six-figure folks that you were talking about that there's always a next level and there's always a ceiling that somebody bump, bumps up against until they figure out how to shatter it. Sometimes they themselves don't have the connections that they need um, the leverage points more, more accurately that they need to make something happen on, on their own in their own stable. And, and so maybe you can talk about how you have because I know you most certainly have put together two or three different things to triangulate a deal to have that person who didn't have any native resources on hand to appear to be one of the three people, you know, like you, I, got, I know this person and they're in if you're in, you know, and then all of a sudden the person who really didn't have the assets to pull it off, at least on paper, is right there in a deal. Do you have, do you, have you worked things like that or put people together in that way?
2: Mm, I'm trying to think if I can think of an example like that. Not so much. I mean, maybe in a way that's kind of relevant to you guys. We've used your services with financing. So people that, you know, don't have the resources right there readily available, you guys come to the table. or not? I don't know if this is part of your business or this is just Gina's, but I know that Gina has been someone that in the past has been able to support us in helping someone get the funds that they need to invest in our program. Is that kind of what you mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's perfectly right along those lines, just looking around. And I think a lot of people get the idea that if it's to be, it's up to me, which is one of the worst scourges of things that I've ever that's ever hit the human language or, or our culture, uh, because it just says all the wrong things. <laughs> because if it's to be, it's up to everybody I can get involved and everybody yeah. that, that can possibly come to play. And I think a lot of people still feel like that. They're like, well, I can't do this thing. I can't progress because – I can't get my clients the financing that they need, um, or I can't get them to get into my program because they don't have the money and I, don't, I, and I just leave at that point, and I'm just conditioned to do so because, well, if you don't yeah. have the money, you can't afford it. And, and, and they don't look around. It's another one of those blinder moments where they don't look at, what could I do to leverage something else that would right. make this happen for this person who desperately wants to do it and uh, is just tight on the funds right now in the example of
2: financing absolutely yeah it's so important to to look at all the to be creative at the end of the day to really be creative in how you approach solving business problems
0: yeah yeah so well i really love i love to be able to uh talk to someone who's who's already been there and done that and we do tend to attract uh 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 guests in that way (laughs) we were talking to Mm. several people in the last several months about these same topics and i just love doing that um but let's get on with what you're doing right now and how people can benefit from being in your sphere of influence where um where can people go to find out more and um and find out what your current thing is what is your current thing what do you do right now that everybody can get involved (laughs) with
2: Sure. Okay, so we have um, – we, we our, our business model is based on – we take people through intensive immersions on, on a couple different topics, and in those immersions, we kind of shake them out and turn them upside down and put them back together again. So the, the, we do that during uh, – we have one event called the Superstar Speaking Academy, which is a three-day uh, immersion, and it's an intensive program with a small group of people with me and my team. And we basically map out your speaking strategy, your speaking speaker marketing strategy. So basically, how are you going to monetize speaking? Who could you get in front of? How to land gigs? How to position yourself to get gigs? What is the outline for your signature keynote? Uh, in addition to how to create that keynote so that it drives action at the end, so how to have conversions at the end. Uh, what are you converting people into? What's the back end of that? So we take them through that whole thing over three days. It's really intense. We just finished one last week, uh, and we do that. Uh, We also do one, a similar event in structure, the three day, uh, plus a virtual program that goes with it. That's for business model and branding. So helping people, particularly speakers, authors, coaches, those sort of people, to develop their business brand, their brand and their business model. So we help them with everything from you know, aligning their business model with their passions and strengths, uh, mapping out what's their phase one, phase two, phase three for how they're going to how they're going to build the business out uh, and grow it. Uh, We go into pricing and packages and we get into uh, sales processes, sales conversion conversations. Like we basically give them a crash course so that they can leave that program and get into action right away and see some results right away. So that's the other. So that's called the, the Jumpstart Program, and it's really for helping people with their business and brand. We also do one which is a more intensive program called the Superstar Performance Academy, and that's really just to hone in on speakers uh, and their performances. So we focus on the presentation. We go deep into mapping that out. We focus on polishing their delivery skills. And at the end of that program, that's a three-day plus a fourth day. On the fourth day, we put them in a theater with all the other attendees. That's a bigger event. And uh, in that theater, they present. It's about 25 people. And we, they each present, and we film them, and we do professional photos of them and everything so they can use that in order to build their speaker brand. So we do that a couple times a year as well.
0: So those are, those are in-person live events. What's the Make Them yeah. Beg program? That looks like it's a virtual, something that people could do with you um, Virtually instead
2: Actually, of in, in? Yeah. Well, okay, so Make Them Beg is no longer in existence. We're not doing that one anymore. Uh, I give that away for free uh, with my with my other programs sometimes. Uh, but I have another. I've replaced it with the Superstar Accelerator, which is, um, you know, kind of a revised version of Make Them Beg. It's shorter. It's simpler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it focuses more on um, – it, it, more on the business model side of things. When I created Make Them Bag, I was very much a personal branding expert, but I was not making a ton of money back then. I was doing well. I was in that plateau that I told you about. So I could teach people how yeah. to brand themselves, how to position themselves, but now focus a lot more on the business side, the back end, the business model, the monetization, the revenue strategies. And that's all in our Superstar Accelerator. And so. People can get that. Well, we we offer it up every once in a while for uh, through webinar, and at the moment we have we're not having one planned before the end of the year, but we'll be. So the best thing for people to do is just to sign up for my list and stay in touch with us, and then we'll let them know when we're doing a launch, and then they can decide if that's a fit for them okay. or what they want to do. Um, or they can sign up if they want to just uh, they can sign up for our list and then contact me through the website. Uh, and we can have them have a conversation with one of our superstar brand consultants, and that person can help guide them and give them whatever is the right fit for them.
0: And the website is com? You got it. Got it. All right. Well, so now we can tell some stories. I want to hear. I want to hear um, about uh, any success story you would like to tell about a favorite client. You don't have to name names or anything, but something that you went through that really kind of profoundly affected you. And and I know that you get this all the time because you won't, you only attract people who are going somewhere anyway. You're just accelerating that going. So they're exactly. going to do something really big. So you probably are moved constantly by what your clients do, what your students do. Give us a, give us a story or two about uh, some of your favorites lately.
2: Sure. Well, one client, and I can share her name. I have permission to share her story Uh, whenever I like. She loves it when I do. Her name is Leanne Webster, and her company now is called Totally Telesummit. And so when she first came to me, she was in a pretty, uh, she was not in a great place. Uh, Basically, she'd been in business for two or three years. Uh, She had been very successful. She had a law degree. She'd been a lawyer, but she hated being a lawyer. And so she quit and became a she thought she was going to become a business coach um, or you know she was coaching people in in business, but she wasn't doing very well. She wasn't making much money herself and yet she was still she was trying to coach people in business, which she, she recognizes she recognized soon after we started working together that that was you know a lack of congruence, a lack of alignment. Uh, she was also branding herself as two different things at the same time. So she was branding herself as a business coach and also as a running coach. So she had a two sided business card, which is a, a no no in my opinion, yeah. always. You never want to brand yourself as two things. You want to choose one and focus on that one. So through within uh, you know, one uh, one retreat that she had, she had mapped out a strategy or we had mapped out together a strategy for her to focus in on one aspect of her coaching that she was doing really well in and that she had never really considered breaking off from the general coaching practice. And what that was was she was producing telesummits, which are these online conferences for speakers, authors, and coaches. And they, her, her clients were getting really good results. They were building their mailing list by, you know, 8, 10, 15, 20,000 people. Uh, and so, you know, we talked about, you know, focusing in on a niche and focusing in just on that specialty. And she was very trepidatious. So we just we just tried it out, we floated it out, and within a couple months, she had already booked a whole bunch of business. She went to within a year, she was at six figures. She'd been at under, she'd been around forty thousand before that. So she went to six figures in a year, and she's on track to do even better than that this year. Uh, and then she she the the beautiful thing is that it's all come full circle once she concentrated and focused on having the rigor around. Selling around strategy sessions, around calling, around following our format, and she generated, started to generate good revenues. Uh, she was able. She she actually signed herself up for an Ironman and completed it. And so now she's been telling the story of her Ironman. It's a pretty amazing story actually, which I'm not going to get into. But there's a lot of reasons why it was an, an incredible story. So now she tells that story, and she's got her money coming in from her business. She's got monthly recurring revenues going. So she's got all that working. Now she's able to get up on a stage and talk about the thing that she really wanted to talk about, which is running. So it's kind of funny how it went full circle that she had to stop doing that, focus on her business, narrow down on a niche, uh, create recurring revenue, create consistency, and now she's able to lead from the front, like really truly lead and say, look what I've done and you can do it too. And she started this, this adventure club for entrepreneurial type of people who want to embark on these unique adventures like her Iron Man, something like that.
0: Wow. Do you think that could be – do you think something like that could happen from the outset? Could you plan – it's kind of a trick question because we do do this. Yeah. I'm whispering (laughs) to you so the audience doesn't hear. But um, do you think there's a way you could plan from the very beginning not to have a double brand because that is truly a no-no. You don't want to do that. but. Can you plan to have both of these things going alongside tandem as you go up and and, and not necessarily have to turn around and pick up what you love later? Um, Like one of the things that I've learned is your your business fills in all the gaps you give it. Like if you leave a lot of – it will fill it up and it will still ask for a 500% more and an increase yeah. all the time. But if you, like, confine it to this is the life I want to lead, and now you can have all the rest of this, like that foam that you spray into holes that just fills up the gaps, um, mm-hmm. you can have the rest of that, and then the business has to find a way to be leveraged enough to take the amount of time yeah. and, and everything that's left over. Do you think, it's have you worked with people in that way and just yeah. started from the whole well, beginning can, and done it that way?
2: Yeah, and, and, and that's one of our core core principles is lifestyle, right? We want to fit the business around our lifestyle rather than fitting our lifestyle around the business. So yes, you absolutely have to put parameters around the business and set limits and, and put your lifestyle in first. That said, um, you know, in the beginning, if you're not making enough money, you've got to have integrity around producing, right? So yeah. there's there's a yeah. balancing act and then she finally, she found that balancing act and what. What happened naturally, think about it, she spent a year training for the Ironman. So all that Ironman training, which is about, I don't know, 30, 20 to 40 hours a week, right? It's a lot Ugh. of training. Yeah. That had to fit around her business. So she did. She built the business while she was doing all that Ironman training. The key is now that she completed it, now she's got a new story to tell that's really inspiring. She can get up on stage and tell that story and basically just bring people into her tribe uh you know it, whoever she's speaking to so she can speak to her target audience for her totally telesummit business and she tells this inspiring story which she's done on my stage and she gets business as a result
0: isn't it funny i mean we started out there wasn't any entertainment industry or anything there was a fire and there was a lot of long nights especially in winter where we had to entertain ourselves and we did it through telling stories that was really and then that's how culture was passed down before writing was invented that was all kept in memory you had to pass it to the next generation and that was done through stories and here we are in almost 2017 and it and and so much of our business and so much of our lives are focused on continuing to tell stories that that is such an that's important so thing true. in in humanity to this day
2: <laughs> that is so 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 true yeah so, well,
0: I think that you're doing really cool work, and I love talking to people who are doing really cool work. So uh, what's next for you? What's your big next goal? Like, you're not at the top of your game. If you were, you would start to get bored. I can tell you're that kind of person. You're not done. So what kind of, what kind of goals do you have for the future? What's your worldview of what you're doing right now and where you're headed? Um, well, my goal is,
2: To uh, scale in a way that allows us to impact more women with leverage. I mean, that's really love, leadership, and leverage is our theme for next year. And the focus of that is let's let's we got to we got to master this online thing. That's what we're up to. We are 100% committing to mastering the art of the of the online marketing, the funnels, and all that good stuff, so that we can impact more people. That's the that's the goal.
0: Nice. And you love to do in person events. You must love people and all of that kind of stuff. So you're such a hybrid to our other type of audience member who's really they have to fight issues of isolation and <laughs> you know, really yeah. being in, in their own in their own world, in their own head a lot more than they probably want to at all times and have to focus on that. How do you balance everything when it comes to um, you know, I, I imagine after events you're just like everybody else in some degree like, oh man, I need some quiet. I need some oh yeah some time here <laughs> to get to decompress from all that talking and energy and everything mm-hmm. else that just happened.
2: Yeah, I do. I, I go I go into my cave a little bit, but I don't need much. I mean I'm very energized by other people. Uh I have to I have to stop myself because my natural tendency is to be around people and to you know reengage and to jump right in and I have to just remind myself to to disengage and to <laughs> relax and to focus on myself that's the discipline that I'm working on for myself. Awesome. Well, uh Gina, do you have any questions?
0: I know I've been hogging it. I've been hogging it from you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What can we do to support the great work that you're doing, Michelle?
2: Oh, thank you, Gina. That's beautiful. Well, um, you know, more financing for my clients from you would be great. Uh, And I would say, you know, referrals, introductions, whatever. You know, when we have an event uh, to support us maybe in in promoting that event. Uh, But ultimately just staying in touch and staying connected and seeing where we can add value to each other.
1: Well, two things we can definitely help you with. <clears throat> Number one, I have a very unusual relationship with the folks over at PayPal. I'm one of about 400 PayPal partners. And about a okay. year ago, we did a series of webinars with PayPal. They are the only webinars PayPal has ever done with any JV before. One of them wow. was on the topic of PayPal working capital loans. Do you know anything at all about PayPal working capital loans? No, I don't. They are the most incredible thing I have ever seen for a business owner. Here's how they work. Without any credit checks at all, you automatically qualify for up to 10% of whatever revenues you've put through both your PayPal account, and through something called a PayFlow Pro account in the last 12 months. PayFlow Pro is a true merchant account similar to an authorized and It feels mm-hmm. verified. PayPal bought it. So if you put $200,000 through your account in the last 12 months, you automatically qualify for a $20,000 loan. It's processed in about 30 seconds. It is 0% interest. There is a tiny little fee that's tacked on at the end of repayment that's dependent upon your refund and chargeback rate. Typically, it ranges from 4 to 8%-ish. Repayment is the best part about it. The repayment isn't the normal repayment structure. They simply take 10% of each transaction Until the loan is paid back. So, the training I did last year showed small business owners how they could use a PayPal account or a PayFlow Pro account in a 90 day period to do JVs that would generate a total of $3,000 in revenue over 90 days. Mm. From that, they would then qualify for $4,000 of working capital loans. Now, the nice thing about working capital loans is once you've paid back your first one, you can get another one 72 hours later. So I then went on to show them how they could invest their $4,000 that they got through the loan in Facebook ads so that it could then generate more revenue and doing a new working capital loan every 90 days for the balance of a 12-month period, you could go from a brand-new business just starting up to a million-dollar-a-year business in 12 months.
2: Wow. I had not ever heard of that. That's incredible.
1: So that's one training that I do with PayPal, and I've done it a couple times now. It's even uh, recorded and set up with an automated replay. It's awesome. And then the other thing that we do that I'm sure would be of interest to your people, only because a couple of ladies I've talked to from the financing at your event were really interested in this concept as well. Have you ever heard of a specific kind of joint venture called integration marketing? No. It's not a term that Jack and I have coined. It's a term coined by Mark Joyner back in the late 90s. Integration marketing refers to finding ways of either integrating your products or services into somebody else's selling systems, or integrating somebody else's products and services into your selling system in a way that actually makes you more money. Even what you and I are doing with financing is an example Mm -hmm. of integration marketing. But there are loads of different ways of doing integration marketing. One of Jackson, my favorite ways of building our business is we have a low-end membership site. Yeah, we could go out and drive traffic to it, but the way we like to market it is by going to the people that have the right audience for it and allowing them to give away either a 30-day membership or a 90-day membership as a bonus when they sell their own products and services. And this isn't Mm -hmm. just a crappy membership site. This is a $500 a year membership site, and the amount of value in it is huge. We've had JVs increase their own sales sixteen to eighteen percent because of the value in their bonus, and now we're not getting just some subscribers out of it. We're getting their customers. Mm-hmm. Well, the level of stick rates skyrockets because of it. So I actually oh. do a very cool training where I come in and do about 20 to 30 minutes of training and content, then open the lines looking for three to four people that I can get unmuted, and I actually work with them to set up integration deals live on the call. I'd be happy to do that with your people. They would get so much value out of that, Michelle.
2: Oh, I'm, ex- I'm open to exploring that, Gina. We can have a conversation offline. To talk about that sounds really And what we would end
1: up doing is bringing some of my people into your network to get my people working with your people because it's going to end up growing your network in a big way.
2: I think. Mm. Got it. Beautiful. Well, I love it. I'm looking forward. I'll reach group. out to Barbara and
1: set up a time for sounds us to talk. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank you. And let's remind everyone one more
2: time of where they can find you. MichelleVillaLobos.com, which is um, Michelle with two L's. And Villalobos is V as in Victor, I-L-L-A-L-O-V as in boy, O-S as in Sam. Or you could just type whatever you think into Google and it will find me.
1: Because it already
2: knows all the, all the major misspellings of my name. It knows. So Michelle Villalobos, if you just look that up, you will get to me.
1: I have done that before by accident and I can vouch for it. It really does know every spelling of your name and it's not <laughs> hard to spell. <laughs> well thank you so much, Michelle. This has been my pleasure. Awesome. Yes. Jack, great job
2: as usual. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. And thank we you, will be back. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for being again. On. And we will see all of you next week. In the meantime, go check out michellevillalobos.com. Have a great week, everybody.
0: Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.